following talk is from St. Michael's Fowell, a gospel-centered community for Fowell, Teddington, and beyond. Our passion is to see every life following Jesus. For more information, visit our website, stmichaelsfowell.co.uk. We're going to move into the time of our service. We're going to look at God's Word together, look at the Bible together. And we are just coming to the end of a brilliant three-part series that Ed's been taking us through, thinking about what it is to be secure in our identities. What does the Bible say about that? How, does it, how do we end up being secure? And uh, it's been a brilliant little series. If you've missed any and you would like to catch up, there is a kind of podcast available through Spotify at St. Michael's Talks. Dig into that. Uh, but for now, we're going to do that, and Louise is going to come and read our passage for us. It is Ephesians chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible near you, feel free to take it and read along. Thanks, Louise. So the reading is on page 1173 of the Church Bibles. That's Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kingdom to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast." For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wonderful. Louise, thank you very, very much indeed. Do keep that uh, part of the Bible open, Ephesians chapter 2. We're also going to be looking at a little bit from Ephesians chapter 4. There is a handout uh, working its way around uh, the room, and uh, you might like that to have a sense of where we're going as well. Uh, Let me pray. As we come to God's word, Psalm 139 has this prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a question. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? I guess that's a question we've all asked at some point. Uh, Maybe it's a question we're asking right now. Maybe it's a question that we ask every single day. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? It's a particularly big question in our day and age because we live in a time when there's so much choice. We've got so many different choices to make, haven't we? Uh, What job should I be doing? Where do I want to live? Who should I be friends with? How should I be using my time? What should I be wearing? What should I be eating? 
How can I make the most of what life has to offer? And many, many other questions. We're constantly needing to ask and answer. And of course, choice is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing to have so much choice in life. And yet also, it can be quite overwhelming. And it can lead to a lot of insecurity. What happens if I'm making the wrong choices? Well, as James mentioned, we're in the last part of our series called Secure. And we're thinking really about our identity. And uh, we're thinking about it through the lens of insecurity. Uh, Insecurity that I guess we all feel in one way or another that has a big impact upon our lives. And we're all searching for solid ground. And we look around the world around us, and it's hard to find it. And our belief is that that solid ground is found in God's Word, and is found in God Himself. And so we've been thinking about what does God have to say about this whole area of identity and insecurity. Uh, Two weeks ago, we thought about being secure in our humanity, Uh, We thought about how our life has been given to us. We have the breath of God in us. That there is something about being human that is utterly glorious. We've been made by God. We have, each and every single one of us, every single human being, has a dignity and a worth that is immeasurable because of that. And yet, our glory is in ruins. It's a glorious ruin. Uh, The Bible says that our world has fallen and we are fallen. And that leads us in so many ways to be insecure. And we thought a little bit about how actually to recognize the insecurity in our lives is an important thing to do because it acts as a sort of red flag for us. An alarm telling us, well, we need to go somewhere to find security. All is not as it should be. There is a sort of fracture in the universe. There's a fracture in our lives. And we need to find the Lord to find security. That's what we thought about a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we thought about that salvation, that security that God offers us in Jesus Christ. That just as our humanity is given to us, our salvation is given to us. It is a gift of God. An act of God's amazing grace. And it's a glorious thing. It is through our salvation that we can become our true selves. And the salvation offered in Jesus Christ is utterly secure. That when we're united with Christ, we are adopted into God's family. And we are given a love that is utterly unbreakable. Nothing in all the world can break God's love for us. That's what we thought about last week. This week we're concluding by thinking about our purpose. Secure in our purpose. And again we're going to use similar headings to what we've had in the last few weeks. Uh, Our purpose is given, it is glorious, and it is secure. So let's think about the first one of those. Our purpose is given. One of of the consequences of uh, our culture's way of understanding ourselves is that we have to 
really create our own purpose. And that is a very difficult thing to do. Matt Fuller, whose book uh, I've been recommending, and I think it's particularly good on all of this, Be True to Yourself, he says this, when you reject our, your God-given identity, then you have to construct one for yourselves. And that's what we've all done as human beings. We've rejected our God-given identity. And so we have to come up with an identity and a purpose ourselves. And that is a really, really difficult thing to do. Uh, I've already talked about how choice can be overwhelming. And that is so true in our lives. When we can choose to be whoever we want to be, that is a pretty hard thing. I was reading about this week how uh, psychologists uh, have a word for this. They talk about overchoice or choice overload. And uh, one uh, study uh, actually did some work with some supermarkets to, to think about this a little bit. And what they did is an experiment. And uh, they sort of set up two sets of shelves of different jam. One had six different jams on it, and the other had 24 different varieties of jam on it. And then they took customers in to go to each of those two different lots of shelves. And what's so interesting is that where there was the choice of just six, 30% of people bought something, some jam. Uh, where there were 24 varieties, 3% of people bought something. And so supermarkets work out that actually to have limitless choice is not very good because we get stuck in it. It's overchoice. It's choice overload. And actually to narrow that down is not a bad thing. And that is true for us where we, we sort of talk about we've got a blank sheet of paper. We can be with, with, do with our lives whatever we want to do with it. And that, surprisingly, not surprisingly, becomes overwhelming. Well, what do I do? How do I work out what I do? And uh, it, it's very, very overwhelming. It's very difficult. Which is where I, God's word is so helpful for us. Because God tells us what we're to be doing with our lives. God's word tells us, this is your purpose. This is what you, to be, you, you are to be doing. And uh, Ephesians 2 is a great place to go for this. So um, let's just pick it up at verse 8. These verses we looked at last week. And they're wonderful verses. Uh, from, from verse 8, we read this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's the point that our salvation is given to us. It's a complete act of God's grace. But it's so interesting how it goes on in verse 10. Uh, because our salvation is not the only thing that's given to us. Also, what we're to be doing, our purpose is given to us too. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, these are some incredibly helpful truths here. If we're a Christian, we are, we are, this is describing us as being God's handiwork. His work of art is another way of saying this. His, his sort of masterpiece. God recreates us. And he knows what he's doing because he recreates us for a purpose. And that purpose here is to do good works. Created in Christ Jesus. Now that's what's happened to a Christian. They've been recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works. 
That's really important to be clear here. Those good works, the good that Christians are to do, is not the basis, the grounds of our salvation. That is an act of grace, as we've been thinking so much about. But having been saved, having been recreated, there is a consequence, which is to do good works. And what God is saying here is sort of, look, I've got a job for you to do. There's work to be done. I want you to bring about my purposes on earth. And you've got a role to play, each and every one of you. I've remade you just the way I want to, so that you can do the job that I've given you to do. That's an amazing thing to know, isn't it? What is that job? Well, in broad terms, the Bible says, what are we to be doing as Christians? Well, we're to obey the great commands and the great commission, the great command to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be people characterized by love, obeying God in every way. And we're to obey the great commission, to go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, that's, that's the broad job that we've been given to do. But I think this verse narrows it down even more specifically. It's saying, look, I've placed you, God is saying, in each place where you are, in the time where you are, to particularly serve me there, to love there, to go and make disciples there. And that is true for every one of us. As we put our trust in Christ, we have a purpose. Wherever we are, here we are, in 2024, in Teddington, or wherever we're living, uh, wherever our jobs is, people around us, we've been given this task to love and to serve God and to make disciples. And isn't there just tremendous dignity and significance and sense of worth In that, he's given us a job to do. He's given us a purpose. So that's the first point. Our purpose is given. Second, our purpose is glorious. Uh, Across the page, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, we read this uh, from verse 22. So uh, right across the page, verse 22, uh, we read this. You were taught... With regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. How does God want us to live out our purposes now, the purpose that he had for us? Well, here's one way of describing it that the Apostle Paul does in this letter of Ephesians. He says this, put off the old self and put on the new one. Put off the old self and put on the new one. Now, this is not saying become a different person. It is not saying we become a different person. Rather, it's saying be the true you. Be the true you. It is still me, but it's the new me. The me that's remade to be like God, imaging him in righteousness and holiness. Now the picture here is really of sort of getting changed. We've got our old clothes. 
which are out of shape and have all stains and holes and are ripped. And we're to take off those old clothes, the old self, and we're to put on the new self, a new wardrobe, clothes that fit perfectly, that bring out the true you. Uh, That is what Paul is saying here, I think. It is living out the righteousness that we have already been given in Jesus Christ. Taking off our greed, our irritability, our envy, our lust, our impatience, whatever else it might be, and putting on love and forgiveness and patience and kindness and self-control. Ephesians 4 actually goes on to, to give a bit more uh, flesh to these bones. Uh, let me just read from verse 25. We'll just sort of read through uh, a couple of paragraphs here, which just give a sense of what this looks like to take off the old, to put on the new. We read this, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That is what we're to be about as Christians. Uh, The fancy term for that is sanctification. It is growing to be more like Jesus. And this is how we become the true glorious selves that God has made us to be. And that's not to say there aren't loads of other decisions that sort of make up life. Uh, Of course there is. We still have to think about what are we going to do? What job am I going to do? Who are my friends going to be? Do I want to get married? Uh, Where should I be living? Uh, All these things are important decisions. But the more we get this first thing right, the more we get it right to put off the old, to put on the new, to become more like Jesus, then everything else will more likely work itself out. And of course this is a gradual process. We're, We're thoroughly imperfect people. We'll never get there this side of heaven. I love the quote. Uh, from John Newton to encourage us in this. John Newton said this. Uh, Remembering, he, he was once a slave owner. Uh, he said this, I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I wish to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world, yet I am not what I once was, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. Bit by bit, God is at work by his spirit changing us, putting off the old, uh, putting on the new, becoming the true you. And it is a glorious 
thing as we become more and more like Jesus. So there's our purpose. It is given. It is glorious as we become more like Jesus. Finally, our purpose is secure. Uh, Whether we're aware of it or not, we are part of a bigger story. Uh, One of the ideas we've been thinking about over this uh, little series is, is something called expressive individualism. I've sort of been talking a bit about it already today, really. It's the idea that you can be whoever you want to be. Uh, that we need to allow what's inside us to uh, sort of come out and, and be, uh, be the real us. Uh, you do you. Uh, create your own reality. Live your own dream. Those are sort of phrases of expressive individualism. But the irony is, in reality, we are being shaped and filtered by a bigger story outside us all the time. Uh, A quote I saw uh, just the other day um, captures this, I think, really well by Ellen DeGeneres, um, the American comedian. She said this, uh, accept who you are unless you're a serial killer. And it's actually, it makes quite a profound point, uh, whether knowingly or not. Accept who you are. That's the sort of, the, the appeal of expressive individualism. But there are limits Uh, You can't be a serial killer, thankfully. So we can't, you know, actually, if within us we have a desire to kill, um, the bigger story is society around us says, no, you can't be that, not that bit of you. And actually, our culture will say that about lots of different bits. There might be all sorts of things going on within us that our culture says, no, you, you can't be that. So, in other words, we're always part of a bigger story. The question is, what story do we want to be a part of? What story do we want to be a part of? And what's so extraordinary about and wonderful about the Bible and the Christian faith is that it tells us that God invites us to be a part of his story, to be defined by him. And it is, of course, the ultimate story, the ultimate true story of all the universe. It's a story where we're not at the center. God is at the center. Jesus Christ is at the center. He's on his throne. And we find our right place by having him at the center. That's where we find our right sense of belonging. That's where we find freedom. That's where we find joy and happiness that nothing else can bring. Uh, One little booklet that I found so helpful uh, that you've got a tiny picture of in the bottom right-hand corner of your um, handout is uh, this, Tim Keller's book, uh, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. It's it's basically a sermon that's put into a booklet. Uh, Sold over half a million copies, so it's got to be good. And it really addresses the issue of identity. And uh, he makes a wonderful uh, point in it that I think is incredibly helpful where he says, look, our culture, when we're struggling with a sense of self-worth, our culture will so often say, um, you need to have more self-esteem. You need to think more highly of yourself. And there is absolutely a right sense in that. But how do we do that in a way that actually works, that is actually true? Can we simply say, look, I'm enough. 
I am strong. I am beautiful. Can we simply say that of ourselves and for that to be enough? And Tim Keller writes uh, and titles this, uh, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, because he says that the posture of the Christian is not so much to be thinking about ourselves, but actually to focus all our attention and our minds and our hearts on God and on Jesus Christ. He says this, the posture of the Christian is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. Not thinking more of myself, not thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. And what he's saying is, rather than focusing on ourselves, we focus on God and on his story and what he has to say about us. And when we do that, then something really significant happens. He says elsewhere this, quote from Tim Keller, we need someone from outside to say we are of great worth. And the greater the worth of the person telling us so, the more powerful that recognition is to our identity formation. We all have to be part of a bigger story. We need someone from outside to tell us what our worth is. And who that person is will have great significance on how we receive it. Which is why it is so important for us not to be looking into ourselves, but to be looking to God and seeing what does he have to say about us. And I just want to close with one of my favorite Uh, A couple of verses in the Bible from Isaiah 43, which is what God has to say to his people. And if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, this is what he's saying to you. And he invites every single one of us. If if you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, he invites us to come to him and have these words to be true for us. So what does God say to you? Isaiah 43 puts it like this. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, speaking of the people of God, you can assert your name in that. He who created you, he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That is what God says to you. He says, You are loved, you are known. You are forgiven, you are redeemed, you are mine. Last Tim Keller quote. On the question of identity, Tim Keller says this, the question of identity is not who am I, but whose am I? Whose am I? And if you're following Jesus, you are God's. You are God's. 
And so if you're not yet following Jesus, can I appeal to you to do so? To know that in him, you are given a new identity. You are recreated, reformed. It is a glorious one that is utterly secure. And if you are following Jesus, know the security of this. You are loved, you are known, you are forgiven, you are mine, Jesus says. Well, we're just going to let that sink in for us together now. We're going to close by uh, singing a couple of songs that one of the bands might come up. And uh, just allow these truths to go from our minds, our heads, deep into our hearts, deep into our bones. To know the identity, to know the security, the firm ground that we have in Jesus. I wonder if I could invite us just to stand. Um, We're going to sing in a moment. Uh, There's also a prayer team available uh, to my right, to your left at the front, and you're very welcome to come up during the singing or afterwards uh, to pray with someone. Um, uh, Someone would love to pray for you. If you'd like to do that, do make the most of that opportunity. But just for now, why don't we just take a moment and just allow these truths to sink into our hearts. Uh, Let's have a bit of quiet. I'll lead us in prayer in a few moments' time. And we'll sing together. A prayer from Psalm 139 again. We pray this in your, in your heart to, to the Lord. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Father, you know our inner being even better than we do. Lord, thank you that we can come before you as we are. We thank you that in Jesus there is full forgiveness for all that we've done. And there is this glorious hope of being transformed to be more like your son. Lord, help us to know what you have to say about us. Lord, we live in a time we know ourselves how big insecurity is in our lives. We are constantly anxious about what other people think. We so often struggle with a sense of worth. So Lord, help us to look to you and to hear what you say to us. That you have made us, that you have remade us in Christ, that you know us, that you've redeemed us, that we are loved, that we are yours. Lord, help us to know that all the more today, this week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.